Welcome back, everybody. Today, we're talking about that age-old battle between good and evil, right and wrong, or as we call it, dollar-cost averaging versus time in the market, or as some people say, buying the dip. Okay, so it may not be exactly the same, but there are some pretty strong opinions on both sides. And it's mostly about buying the dip or timing the market being a bad strategy. And the article that I see shared the most to prove that is this one. So in this video, we're going to go over the details of the article, talk through the data points and conclusion that it came to, the talking points and criticisms that people have about buying the dip, and I'll tell you why, while it may be technically correct based on how they've defined it, in reality, for all practical purposes, it's wrong. Because, of course, nothing can really be simple, can it? But first, let's dig into the article and see what it says. Now, this was an article that was written about five years ago by Nick Maggioli, and I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, where he compares a dollar-cost average scenario with a buy-the-dip scenario, and here's how he defines it. For dollar-cost averaging, you're basically investing $100 every month for 40 years. And then for buy-the-dip, you're saving $100 each month and only buy when the market is in a dip. A dip is defined as any time when the market is not at an all-time high. But, of course, he's going to add a little twist to it. He actually makes the second strategy even better. Not only will you buy the dip, but I'm going to make you omniscient, as in God, about when you buy. You'll know exactly when the market is at the absolute bottom between any two all-time highs. This will ensure that when you do buy the dip, it's always at the lowest possible price. Okay, so you know where this is going, right? Like, just like the index fund guys are like, oh, 90% of hedge fund managers can't beat the market, so how could you beat the market? Now it's going to be, if God can actually buy the dip successfully, then how are you going to do it? But let's take a look at what they actually found. So what they found was that buy the dip underperforms dollar cost average about 70% of the time based on how they've defined it. And that's even when you know when the exact bottom is. And that buying the dip only works in that 30% of the time when there's a severe market decline and you time it perfectly. And the examples that they gave were in the 1930s, the 1970s, and in the 2000s. But their conclusion is that since those large market declines don't happen too often, you are likely to underperform dollar cost averaging. And that's with knowing the exact bottom price to buy, which of course we know in real life is impossible to know. But this is a really critical point that we're going to come back to later because it helps explain why I think it's a flawed experiment. But let's see how it performed. They start with January 1995 to December 2018, which is about a 23-year period. They basically show all the all-time highs and all the actual dips by their definition of dip of where you would buy. And remember, the DCA method is just investing every month no matter what. But you can see that from 2000 to 2009, the buy the dip method isn't buying anything. You would wait for actually nine years and build up cash and then buy because technically that's the dip between the two all-time highs. And that's shown here in the next graph. And here's the thing. If you look at the performance of these two, buy the dip actually beats out DCA because that one-time huge buy at the bottom price outperformed like crazy, which is what you would expect, right? But I thought the article was trying to prove that buy the dip actually doesn't work. And what they say is that for periods that have sustained bear markets, especially ones that happen earlier on in the period, then buy the dip works very well because the cheap buys compound well over time. But what they say is that there's really only two of those sustained bear markets over the last hundred years or so, and that during every other time period, buy the dip underperformed. And so the main takeaway for the article is this. 
My main point in all of this is that buy the dip, even with perfect information, typically underperforms DCA. So if you attempt to build up cash and buy at the next bottom, you will likely be worse off than if you had bought every month. Why? Because while you wait for the next dip, the market is likely to keep rising and leave you behind. And then he goes on to say, what makes the buy the dip strategy even more problematic is that we have always assumed that you would know when you were at every bottom, which you won't. I ran a variation of the buy the dip where the strategy misses the bottom by two months and missing by two months led to underperforming DCA 97% of the time. And then, of course, we finally get to the point that we knew was coming all along. Because if God can't be dollar cost averaging, what chance do you have? So first thing, I'm going to put the link to this article down in the description. So if you want to take a look at it yourself, you want to dig into it, you'll be able to do that. Now, when it comes to timing the market or buying the dip, the main thing that people say is that you have no way to know whenever you're at a bottom. And even in this article, they gave us the benefit of the doubt and they gave us this God mode in order to make their point. Because if you missed it by just two months, that 30% chance becomes a 3% chance. But here's the issue. And I think there's two main problems with this article. And the first one is just the way that they've defined when you would buy a dip makes no sense. Because we went through this whole example, crunching numbers and all of this. And the main problem is right here at the beginning. It's how they defined buying the dip, where you're taking your $100 each month and you're only buying whenever it's in a dip that they've defined as whenever the market's not at an all-time high. But they added the part that said, you're gonna know when it's the absolute bottom between any two all-time highs, and that's when you're gonna buy. And of course, we're gonna see some challenges with this approach. Like on these charts, where you go from 1975 to 2014, you go all of the first 10 years without buying anything because technically there was no all-time high until 1985. So because it never hit some arbitrary point in price, we've decided to not buy anything for 10 years. And to me, that makes no sense as an actual investing example. It's just we've created some arbitrary definition and we decided to backtest it. And then again, we don't buy anything from 2000 to 2009 because it wasn't technically the bottom between two all-time highs. And you might say, but they're telling you exactly when the price is at the bottom, so it's actually an advantage. But it's really not. And that brings me to the second issue that I have with this. Everything in this example is based only on price. Because by creating this arbitrary rule of when you'll buy the dip, it masquerades itself as an advantage because you always know the lowest price when you buy. But what it fails to talk about is trying to determine the actual value versus price over time. Because any reasonable buy the dip strategy shouldn't be based on price alone, but what you're actually getting for the price that you pay. And this is my biggest issue with people when they say that buy the dip's a terrible strategy and they say that, well, you never know if it's too high or too low. Because my question to them is, well, do you buy all your clothes at full price or do you wait for a sale? How do you know the price you're getting in a sale is a good price? Or how do you know that you shouldn't just wait until next weekend to get a better price? At some point, you understand that the value of what you're getting is higher than the price that you're paying. And the same can be true for stocks. And that brings us back to the, it's impossible to know when a price is good point from earlier. You can use something simple like a price to earnings ratio or a price to cash flow ratio. And that's why we talk about those metrics whenever we do a stock analysis. We're trying to see where it's trading at to see if it's quote unquote, on sale. You can use something like a discounted cash flows valuation method if you want. And honestly, you can even use a combination of dividend yield and dividend growth if you're trying to build a passive income stream. Now, let me show you a quick example. In May of this year, Hershey's was at $275 and they were paying a $4.70 a year dividend. 
which was about a 1.73% dividend yield. Well, now in December, Hershey has come down to $185. So that same $4.77 a year is now a 2.5% dividend yield, and it's selling for 30% cheaper than it was in May. Now, do I know if this is an absolute bottom for the price? No, of course I don't. But I do know that that $4.70 of dividend income a year, plus the future cash flows of the company, is now selling for 30% cheaper than it was earlier. And looking at it in a slightly different way, in May, Hershey's price to earnings was above 30. And now in December, it's below 20. So deciding to buy a quality company when it's around 20 price to earnings and deciding to wait when it's at 30 price to earnings isn't rocket science. I mean, this is pretty basic stuff that people do all the time. And in general, you could consider that timing the market or buying the dip. But the point is that it's not just based on the price. It's based on the value. And if you're able to look at basic fundamentals of a company, you can get at least a ballpark of where they are. And if we go back to the original article, we can see a similar story. Instead of determining when to buy based on the lowest price between all-time highs, what if we looked at something like price-to-earnings ratio instead? We can see that the S&P 500 PE obviously varies, but if you just decided that you would buy anytime it was under 22 PE and you would wait anytime that it was over 22 PE, you can see that based on their own charts, you would be buying during the times that ended up with the highest final growth. And that's just with loosely using a basic P.E. ratio. And it's obviously not a guarantee because nothing ever is. But acting like we have no way to know if a price is good is just wrong, in my opinion. So what does any of this mean? Now, first off, dollar cost averaging is a really good method. And it's something that pretty much everybody should probably be doing, at least in some capacity. And for most of us, that's going to be having a paycheck that automatically contributes to your 401k. And it makes perfect sense because it's very similar to why index funds work. It's easy, it can be automated to where you never have to do anything, and over time, it's likely to do pretty well. It's not going to be the most optimized way to invest, but for most people, it's a pretty good path to success, just like index funds. But I think it's also pretty clear that if you consistently buy stocks or ETFs, when the price-to-value ratio is lower, they also will likely do well. And this shouldn't be controversial at all. This is what pretty much every successful investor over time has ever done. I mean, let's be honest. And like we showed earlier, you can look at a basic price-to-earnings ratio and get a ballpark idea if something is trading higher or lower than their historical average. And here's the main point. Just like everything else with investing, you don't have to choose one. You can do both. And I know this might seem like radical thinking, but we don't need to have these weird, super polarizing views of everything we do. In reality, a blend can work really well. You can keep contributing to your retirement accounts in a consistent dollar-cost averaging way with every paycheck. And then any extra money you have to invest, maybe try something similar to buying the dip. But don't make it based on price. Make it based on a price-to-value ratio like price-to-earnings or price-to-cash flow. And again, the goal isn't to get it perfect. Just a basic rule like every month when it's time to buy, I'm only going to buy if the P.E. is less than 20. And I'll just wait whenever it's over 20. Or maybe it's 25, whatever the right number is for you. But I would bet that that type of scenario would actually perform pretty well. Because you have your DCA working in the background and your buy the dip plan helping you get a little more for your money to help your overall returns. And it doesn't need to be some weird arbitrary price calculation that'll have you waiting to invest for over a decade. It can be something that's really simple and reasonable that focuses on the value of what you're buying. And so again, it's just another example where basic investing concepts get over-exaggerated and misrepresented online. 
And I'm sure people do it because they're trying to drive engagement and all that stuff. But I think it just reinforces the fact that we have to build up the confidence to be able to dig into these things ourselves so we can kind of get through all the noise and make the best decision that makes sense for us. So what do you guys think? Are you just doing DCA or are you also buying the dips? Let me know down in the comments below. Hope you guys have a great day out there. Financial independence is true freedom. So keep building and stacking wins. And I'll see you guys in the next one. Peace.